I, I got my focus on passion and empathy Gaining perspectives, investing, I do believe Money and grinding go hand in hand, you will see I'm working smart, expanding my energy Hope that you feeling me, I'm acting differently You got a friend in me I'm working hard to try and work smart No time to complain, it's time to start We gotta work Future millionaires Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Future Millionaires. Get ready, wake up, and get locked in because today we have on Jeff Fenster, who is the founder of Everbowl, Superfuel Coffee, and We Build. With that being said, he's an entrepreneur instructor at the Forbes School of Business and Technology, as well as a speaker. So without further ado, Jeff, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your show and excited to be here today. <laughs> well, I appreciate that very much, you know, and I'd love for you to share a little, like a 60 second snippet of where you're at right now in your life and business, just so the listeners can get a little perspective on what you're, you know, prioritizing right now. Yeah, sure. I'm a father of two daughters. I've got a 14 year old who's a freshman in high school and an eight year old who's in second grade. Well, uh, they were as of a couple of days ago. I don't know if the school year is officially over or, or what's going <laughs> yeah. on. And um, running running three companies, trying to basically proliferate the access to superfoods nationwide as we go. And we're now franchising. So we're trying to expand the Everbull footprint from where we currently are on the West Coast to across the country. Continue to give people access to superfoods through coffee with Superfuel Coffee, which we sell online, Amazon, superfuelcoffee.com, as well as through our stores and some sprouts. And then we build where we build our, not only our stores, but now we're starting to do um, third-party jobs. And then also trying to be a family man and my, my daughters and my wife. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're definitely going to dive into, you know, all those throughout the podcast. But we got a lot of young listeners here. And um, one thing that I always like to do with my guests is just kind of run through when entrepreneurship was first introduced into your life, you know, your early upbringing, and then when you realized that, you know, entrepreneurship was a path that you wanted to pursue. Yeah, sure. So went to law school to be a sports agent after college. Uh, graduated law school, was planning on being a sports agent, had a job lined up uh, with Lee Steinberg and ultimately decided I didn't want to pursue that career. Um, me and my wife, our youngest was born while I was, uh, you know, was a little baby while I was in law school and just really decided that I didn't want to run around the country representing athletes. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I got a job selling payroll services for a company called ADP, um, which is one of the largest payroll services in the country. I uh, was there six months and leveraging a lot of experience that I had built up over my teenage and early adulthood years through internship and mentors. Um, I was able to be very successful there. I became the number one sales rep in the country uh, out of about 2,300 sales reps. And first to make Presidents Club, got a boatload of uh, money and awards and built yeah. my ego up pretty big. And I was only there six months, um, but I earned this Pinnacle Award, which was basically like the this award you get at the end of the year. And I went to my boss in January and said, I'd like to get my bonus. It was $17,000. And they explained to me I had to wait to the end of the fiscal year, which would end in June. Uh, so I get it in July. Mm -hmm. And I had just bought a house. I was engaged. We were getting married. I had law school debt. I had a, a daughter. So ultimately, I needed the money. And I, I said, listen, I can't wait six months. I'm happy to take on another quota. I'm happy to do more. But I, I want my money I earned. And they basically told me no. So I, uh, in an ego-heated moment, threatened to quit if they didn't give it to me. And um, they called my bluff and said, if you want to quit, quit, but you can't have your bonus till the end of the year. So I went home that day, spoke to my fiance and said, I want to quit this job. I want to sell the house. I want to move in with my mom and dad. And I want to start a payroll company of my own. And yeah. she was supportive. And so I did. I quit the very next day, moved in with my mom and dad, 
brought my fiance and daughter with me and um, with a partner started a payroll yeah. business. That was my first taste of entrepreneurship. That's awesome. So how did you pick your partner throughout that too? Uh, he was actually one of my best friends and I got him a job at ADP. So he was there about three months and I told him, Hey, what, let's not waste our time here. Let's go, let's go do this. And I convinced him to to jump and join me. Yeah, true. true. That's the sales coming out right there. The persuasion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so exactly. within six months, you know, how were you able to jump to the number one salesperson at, at that company so quickly? So, yeah. So I utilized a couple of tactics. The first one is my business principles today. My two core values, uh, it's making friends and having fun. Um, that's the yeah. two rules to work at any of my companies. That's my two business principles. And I use that in sales. And I think everyone should, if, if you try to sell people products, they won't buy it. If you sell hmm. yourself and you just be a good person, make friends with them and have some fun, they're going to want to buy your product if your product provides value. So what I did is I made a lot of friends and I leveraged a lot of relationship capital that I had built up over the last 20 years and really reached out to friends and said, listen, I just want to see if I can help. If I can't help, there's nothing here for you. But if I can show you how I can add value, um, let's do it. So luckily, I had a lot of friends that were using paychecks or third-party payroll companies. And when I got to see their invoice, I had a lot of autonomy at ADP to help them save money and uh, this was 2007, 2008. So the recession yeah. was just about to start. Um, but everyone was looking to save money. Actually, the recession started about a month after I started my company, which was phenomenal timing on my part. Yeah, <laughs> um, honestly. And utilize those tactics, really, um, of making friends and, and providing value. So that's kind of how I did it. And I started to think outside the box, you know, while everyone else was in my company was selling payroll, I started going to bankers. And I said, listen, mm. you need banking clients, I need payroll clients, everyone who comes in here with to open up a business banking account has employees, therefore needs yeah. payroll. And everyone I sign up for payroll needs a banking. So I'll make you a deal. I'll bring you introductions to every single one of my clients. If you give me introductions to every single one of yours. And I started to do that. And um, got a lot of leads and warm referrals from the banker because, you know, the talk mm -hmm. track was simple. If I met with you, I would say, listen, who do you bank with? Oh, I bank with Wells Fargo. Well, my banker was with Bank of America. So I would say, well, fantastic. But listen, because I'm taking on your payroll and, and you're with ADP, we do a partnership with Bank of America. And my friend John over at Bank of America takes care of all my clients. He's going to make sure you have his check, you know, free checking accounts yeah. and really take care of you. Can I make an introduction? It's a very simple talk track. You do it enough times. You get a few that say yes. As, start as, you, as soon as you start giving value back to your banker, your CPA, your insurance broker, or mm -hmm. anyone else that provides ancillary services that shares the same kind of client, they're more than happy to make those warm introductions back. Because if John doesn't give me referrals, I'm going to take my business to another banker. Um, yeah. But I'm selling him. I'm doing his job for him while he's stuck in the bank. And he's doing my job for me while I'm out there pounding the pavement. So I started to build champions around me. Between my champions, between my relationship yeah. capital, you know, I went to my mentors and my friends and I would say, listen, who do you know that owns a business with 50 or less employees? Do you mind making a list for me? They'd make a list. Do you mind making a warm introduction, letting them know that I just joined at ADP. I have a lot of autonomy. If I can't save them money or add them more value, no harm, no foul, but would they meet with me? And I set those meetings up and I, you know, through five, 600 of those, I was able to close a couple hundred clients and be the number yeah. one sales rep. No, that's awesome. I'm a huge fan of innovating sales and, you know, taking something that's traditionally uh, just viewed as like, here's what you do and really putting your own twist on it. So, I mean, yeah. with, with that being said too, when you first started out and you just, you know, had to make your own friends and kind of build your network from there, what were like, did you go to events? Were you just kind of like utilizing different uh, social media platforms, all the above, or how did that kind of look like in that scenario? Well, unfortunately there wasn't really social media platforms back then. So uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't able to use those, uh, but no, 
again, I, I don't do what everyone else does. So uh, yeah. the biggest mistake everyone makes is they follow the crowd. And and if I was going to give advice to entrepreneurs listening today or salesmen, I mean, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. anyone. You know, you're all an entrepreneur, even if you work for someone else. I mean, you really you own your own business, which yeah. is your career. So even if you never want to start your own company, you own your own career. How are you going to navigate throughout your company to stand out and separate mm-hmm. yourself? And the key is to stand out and separate yourself. So if everybody else is going to network events, why are you going to a networking event? Everyone at a networking event just wants other people to network for them. Everyone just is there to say, what can mm-hmm. people do for me? Flip it on its head. What's the purpose of networking to meet people? So what I would do is I would go and meet people outside of networking events and give value, right? So very simply, yeah. I'd go to lawyers and I would say, listen, who's, I meet with business owners every single day. A lot of them need, uh, you know, business, in my payroll business, uh-huh. a lot of them need, you know, entity set up, uh, contract reviews, employee related HR issues. So I would go and meet these lawyers and attorneys and I would just say, listen, as I come across clients, I'm looking to have a team around me of people that can provide these services that I trust. And mm-hmm. I'd make friends and I would start giving them clients without asking for anything. I paid it forward first without anything in return. But what happens is when you start paying it forward and you give first and you come from a place of generosity, people naturally want to help you. I guarantee you, yeah. you start, if someone came up to me and gave me a massive contract for super fuel coffee, Hey, you know what? My father or mother or brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle works at such and such company. Can I mm-hmm. hook you up and get your super fuel coffee in there? And it's successful. I guarantee you now that person has just, they've just made a deposit in their relationship capital bank account with me. And I guarantee you, I am going to either pay it back to them if they ever need something, or if I come across an opportunity that I think would help them, I'm Mm going to give it to them. So it's about not thinking about networking events is what can people do for me, but it's really about flipping on its head and making as many, you know, I talk about this a lot, but it's like everyone has a relationship capital bank account. Like you have a money bank account Uh and the more deposits you make in as many people's accounts as you can, the more relationship capital you have to use when you need it or when people are out there being a champion for you. No one will, you'll never find anyone who isn't successful if they have a lot of good quality relationships in their business. Because you, you see it all the time. Yeah. You're like, oh, so-and-so just got that promotion because he knows so-and-so or she knows so-and-so or she's so-and-so's daughter or yeah. cousin or friend of a cousin. Well, yeah, that's how this world works. It's who, it's who you know. And, and building up your relationships is critical for that. That's awesome. So what would you say? Like, cause honestly, when I, you know, I, I always like doing research on the guests um, that I bring on the show. And when I went to your LinkedIn page, like I saw so many different, you know, ventures and whatnot that um you dove into. And that really fascinated me because I'm just wondering, you know, what did you learn from all those different ventures? Like the biggest key things, especially from your first one that ended up leading to now being able to manage three successful companies. Most people think they're an entrepreneur because they're starting a company and they have to know and be an expert in their field. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't disagree with that more. I think experience is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company. I think if you have all this experience, you're going to do it just like everyone else does. Like when mm-hmm. I started Everble, um, everyone told me nine out of 10 restaurants fail, Jeff. What are you doing? Restaurants are hard. No one yeah. is successful in restaurants. You're not a chef. You don't know anything about restaurants. Well, the truth is, Most people who start restaurants come from a restaurant background and nine out of 10 of them fail. So if I had experience, Mm. 90% of the time I'm going to fail, but I don't have experience. I don't know anything about restaurants. I don't know how to cook. It doesn't matter. I know how to build successful businesses. I know how to problem solve. I know how to pivot. I know how to attract world-class talent to join me because I know how to make friends and have fun. I know Mm -hmm. how to build a culture. 
And knowing those things is how you build successful companies. And it all starts with problem solving. Entrepreneurs or CEOs or executives job is to be a problem solver. You're constantly solving problems and how you're able to do that will dictate whether or not you're successful. So I jumped from industry to industry to industry with zero experience. Yes, I went from a payroll business to a recruiting, recruiting agency to some online websites, to a digital marketing agency, to a restaurant chain, to a coffee company, to a construction company. And I can't make food. I don't know how to use a hammer. I don't know how to work a computer, but it doesn't matter because I know how to build companies. I know how to bring people together. I know how to make friends. I know how to drive um, opportunity. And when you Uh put the right team together, they're the experts and I give them the credit, you know? So it also, you have to lose the ego. Um, That's one of the things I learned that has, has made me way more successful today than early on. You know, I don't need credit for that. For the things we do, it's my team, and I bring on mm-hmm. great people who who put in great systems and processes and ideas, and and together we're successful because they're amazing. Um, and I stand on the shoulders of all the great people on my teams, but I'm good at bringing people together. So that's my superpower is problem solving, innovation, and putting teams together. And now I bring on the right people who can execute and deliver and help us yeah. go through emotions. No, that's awesome. So I, I want to ask one more question before we dive into, you know, Everbowl and everything you guys have been doing with that, which yeah. is with digital marketing and your agency that you started. Like, you know, that's something that I'm currently running. It's a, a venture that, you know, I find very enjoyable. Um, clearly, I'm sure it's at a smaller scale than yours got to at that point. But, I, you know, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm scaling it up, Jeff. <laughs> hey, that, hey, there's no there, there's there's no there's no competition. It's just you versus you every day, man. Just I know better every day. But like, gosh, I know how high I can go. Like, I, so I'm just excited about it, you know. Um, but with that being said, what were things that you did differently? Because right now, similar to what you said in the restaurant space, I'm seeing a lot of digital marketing agencies doing the exact same thing. So yep. what's something that, you know, you did differently to stick out and whatnot with your agency? Well, first and foremost, I didn't know anything about computers um, mm-hmm. at all. So I needed to have a partner who did. Um, yeah. So I partnered, I partnered with a guy named Neil Patel. Um, oh, who, yeah. Yeah. So um, you probably know Neil. Neil has his mm-hmm. own agencies now, Neil Patel Digital. Um, he's the co-founder of Kissmetrics, Hello Bar, Crazy Egg, Speaks Internationally. Mm-hmm. Quicksprout is his blog, which is phenomenal for learning digital marketing for anyone who's mm-hmm. out there and wants. Um, and he has masterminds and courses. And, and if you need to learn, he's a phenomenal resource. So when I set out, it was 2012 and I didn't know anything about the computer. So I reached out to a friend of mine named Pat Flynn, who is also pretty well renowned. If you need to start a podcast or you're interested, I'm going to give him some, some shout out. But uh, smartpassiveincome.com is his website. Um, and the SPI uh, podcast is phenomenal. And I reached out to him and said, listen, I want to pay you a bunch of money to teach me digital marketing. And he said, Jeff, the name of my website and business is Smart Passive Income. And it's not passive if I spend my effort and energy teaching you. So um, <laughs> I can't do that. But you should meet a guy named Neil Patel. And I said, I don't know who Neil Patel is. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. he's, he's a rock star in the industry. You probably should know him if you want to get in. I was like, okay. I'd love the introduction. So he connected us via email and we set up a phone call. And my plan was not to call Neil just out of the blue and be like, yeah, you don't know me. But uh, no, my plan was to stand out. So I did what I'm good at. And I went out and I sold a six-figure digital marketing contract. And when I got on the phone with Neil, I said, Neil, I'm going to pay you six figures. I just sold our first client together. Oh, by the way, I'm Jeff. And his <laughs> eyes were like, who are you? You know? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, what, what, what did this guy just say? But I stood out, right? All of a sudden, I'm different than every other phone call he's ever had. And um, he at least took the meeting with me. And when he met me, I made friends with him. And I was like, look, I don't need to make any money on any of these clients. I'm I'm not in this to make some money right now. I'm in this to learn. And I want to learn. And I want to partner together. I got a big Rolodex of relationships. 
I've built up my relationship capital. And at this point I was, I was almost yeah. uh, 29. So mm-hmm. for the 29 years before, and I want to be able to leverage that to, to introduce them to digital marketing because the computer isn't going anywhere. It's 2012 mm-hmm. businesses are, there was a lot of businesses that were just kind of trying to figure this out. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had access to the decision makers and Neil was the expert. And I'm like, with your knowledge and, and my relationships, we have an easy way to grow a significant business. And True. Um, he was open to it. And then, so we ended up working together on a few, few deals and then we partnered and then we worked on some very major deals together. And we had a really nice business for five years and he's one of my best friends now. And he's a phenomenal human being. And, you know, in 2015, just like everything else, like I kind of got tired of doing the same thing. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So um, I learned that about myself. I'm not a lifer in anything. I'm three to Mm -hmm. five years and then I want to do something else and break into another industry and have some fun and start over. And um, it was time. And, you know, Neil's a lifer in the digital marketing space. So he started Neil Patel Digital in 2015. And I went out and took some time off and then started Everbull in 2016. No, that's awesome. And that that fascinates me how you literally created a, you said you already had the contract structured for a six figure deal when you first yes. met Neil. So how were yes. you able to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I reached out to a very big company that was doing about 30 to $40 million a year offline and under a million dollars online. And I knew that because mm. I, one of the ways that you make friends is I'm always talking to my friends and relationships and asking them, how's business, what's going on? What are some mm-hmm. problems you're dealing with? I know a lot of people, if there's anything I can do to help and one of the things I had heard through the grapevine from, from them is they needed help online, that they felt like why, so much of their business was offline and they had to figure out the online space. So I went mm-hmm. to them and said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You're doing under a million dollars a year online. I took the gamble not knowing anything, but I said, I will take this contract for free, but I want upside and I want a percentage of all the gain. And I think we could 2X your business this year. And I structured it to where we would make at least six figures. Yeah. I went to Neil and I wrote him a check for six figures out of my own pocket. And basically said, I'll take the upside until I made whole. And then we go 50-50. So Neil was guaranteed a six-figure contract. I was very confident that Neil was going to be able to help them. And yeah. I bet on that because he's the best and they, they had a good business. They were doing, yeah. like I said, they were doing over 30 million offline. So if you're selling a product offline in the apparel business, <laughs> you can sell more of it online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I took that, I took, I took that gamble um, on my, I bet on myself and I bet on Neil and I wrote Neil a check. And that was kind of how I structured it. So I got them to agree to give it to me on complete upside. And mm-hmm. if we didn't succeed, it was on me. But that's, I mean, no risk, no gain, right? So if you're not willing yeah. to bet on yourself, then who are you going to bet on? That's, I mean, that's big facts, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, gosh, no, that's awesome that you were able to bring in a rock star by really pulling off your own <laughs> rock star move there. Because, I mean, that, yeah. that takes guts. That takes, you know, really, like you said, betting on yourself. So with that being said, and, you know, going into Everbowl, like you said uh, earlier, you know, the good old nine out of 10 restaurants fail. Like, I would just would love to kind of start with why you started Everbowl, like what you saw, what you want to fulfill, what you want to learn, just like your mission with it all. So my mission was, it's my passion. Um, I'm all about the word unevolve. It's on my shirt. Yeah. Uh, It's on the back. It's on the back of my hat. Um, It's a word I created and trademarked. It means to move and eat the way you were meant to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. It's very simple, Mm, but in America specifically, um, obesity, heart disease, stroke, and cancer is just plaguing our society. So many people are dealing with these family members, friends, uh, neighbors, strangers. And when you really peel back the onion, you realize that 80% of them can be avoided through lifestyle changes, through Mm -hmm. eating real food and moving our bodies. Well, 
okay, I'm at a point in my life where I can do what I'm passionate about. And besides my family and startups, I'm passionate about health and wellness. And why not do a startup around health and wellness? So Everbowl's plan was to um, reinvent the fast food market. The average American eats fast food over three times a week. Um, McDonald's, Jack in the Box, and all of those fast and fried places that are just not good for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to understand why. Why are we doing this to ourselves? The science is out there. Everyone knows it's it's like smoking. Everyone knows smoking cigarettes is bad for you. People do it because they're addicted, right? Mm -hmm. That's why people do it. But we're not addicted to a cheeseburger. So why are we eating so many of them? Why are we going and getting all this fast fried food on a daily basis and not moving our body? And it comes down to four excuses. And I narrowed them all down. I did some research. And uh, there's four reasons or four excuses we make to why we eat unhealthy unhealthy every day. And it's either it costs too much to eat healthy, in our mind anyway. Mm -hmm. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't fill you up and leave you satisfied or you just can't get it. You have 30 minutes or an hour for lunch. You go to the the shopping center and these are your choices. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, if I can build a business around delicious, affordable, filling and accessible food that's healthy and good for you, I have something. Because people want to eat healthy. If you give them something that's affordable, filling, delicious and accessible, they're going to choose it. They're not going to be like, oh, I I want to kill myself. Let me eat this. It's (laughs) bad for me. It's just that thing that's bad for me is either cheaper, tastes better or or is going to leave me full. It's Uh like I could eat a salad but I'm going to be hungry in 30 minutes. That mm-hmm. double, that double, double with fries. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm full all day. So, mm-hmm. um, I imported a lot of superfoods into my home. I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a hypochondriac is personally, I'm like afraid of disease. So yeah. I want to prevent illness and I think it's easier to prevent illness than cure illness. And so Everbowl was built to solve that. And so I started Everbowl and Everbowl's tagline is made from stuff that's been around forever. And mm-hmm. Unevolve's definition is live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. So the live actively side, I'm not touching with Everbowl, but with um, the restaurants, that's what it is. And, and so I reverse engineered my menu to make it one price with big portions, let mm-hmm. you choose everything you want. So therefore, you'll be full, you'll be able to afford it, and um, you'll like it because you pick the ingredients. And then I had to open a lot of restaurants. And because I had to open a lot of restaurants, I had to reverse engineer why it costs so much money to build them because my first one cost mm-hmm. me almost a quarter of a million dollars yeah. and um that's expensive how am i going to build a lot of them so i started yeah. a construction company to just build my own stores and realized <laughs> if i could build my own stores i could build a lot of them yeah. um and so you know i i did i started we build uh the real name of the company is we build one word stuff we build stuff and we build everables and um yeah. And from there, I was able to really grow. And I went from one store into, and I opened in October, 2016 with one. Um, I opened three more in 2017 and then I opened 14 of them in 2018. And, you know, now we have almost 30 locations and we're in multiple States and plan now is to franchise. And we just did a 20 unit franchise deal. So I just sold 20 that is going scattered around the country. Um, we're in discussion mm-hmm. with some big time professional athletes and celebrities. that want to open a lot of stores. And then I wanted to create a franchise model that we actually brought Everbowl and franchising back to what it was meant to. Uh, you try to go franchise one of the big chains. Yeah. You have to have excessively high net worth and you have to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's really not made for the, you know, someone like yourself who might graduate mm-hmm. college in a year or two. And yeah. wants to own their own business, but doesn't know, have an idea and they want to actually buy a franchise. Like you can't go buy a McDonald's unless your mm-hmm. family's already wealthy. You have to have a million and a half liquidity in the bank and it's going to cost you a million and a half to build. Um, yeah. So I wanted to reverse engineer and uh, franchising and go back to what franchising was meant for, which was people like yourself. And so for us, we're trying to offer Everbowl franchises for around $100,000 all in. 
Um, and I don't care what your net worth is. I care what your work ethic is. And can you make friends and have fun? And are you a hard worker? If the answer is yes, I'm joining the Everbowl family. You can afford it because it's $100,000 is uh, obtainable through SBA and other financing. A million yeah. and a half is a different number. Um, and go ha- let's have some fun. Let's spread the health and wellness and let's build the Everbowl brand. And then Super Fuel Coffee was because I can't open stores fast enough. So like you're in Wisconsin mm-hmm. um, and I can't, get you to go to an Everbowl right now, but I yeah. can get you to go to amazon.com and buy super fuel coffee. Um, and that allows me to introduce my brand to you outside the four walls, leverage Smart, my digital yeah. marketing exper- experience I've had, understand that I can geo-target locations before I open, build my brand inside your home or in your office and give us something to talk about when I'm on podcasts or, or on stages or, or being interviewed. Um, super fuel coffee is where you can start, right? My unique yeah. selling proposition is simple. You drink coffee every day, but you don't always eat superfoods. So why not drink superfoods with your coffee? And once you make that decision, why you'll choose our superfood coffee is because, trust me, we're the superfood experts. We opened a chain of superfood restaurants. Uh-huh. I focus on acai and superfoods. So you might as well buy it from me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And there, there's a, it's like you just, um, you know, spoke and wrapped a presence. And now we're, you know, about to unwrap and really dive into everything. So I'm excited to get into, you know, what you just laid out there. <laughs> so, so starting out with, you know, heading into the industry, did you know that you want to franchise it right off the bat? Or is that something where you were like, okay, like actually after this proven model, now I want to franchise it? Yeah, no, I never wanted to franchise. Uh, my plan was to never franchise. Um, because like I said, franchising is broken. Uh, the way it is, yeah. I wasn't supportive of, I didn't want people to spend a quarter of a million dollars to build mm-hmm. an ever bowl. And then if you pick the wrong location, you lose, you don't make any money. You're unhappy. Yeah. Um, I only can get wealthy people to buy it because of high net worth. So therefore they're not that passionate about it. True. Um, they're not going to work in the business. No, I didn't want any of that. But once I realized between we build and sourcing my own ingredients and our model, and we were able to, to build something that we could do for $100,000 or less, um, all of a sudden, now it became obtainable that I could get the right franchisees, mm-hmm. and then franchising became um, the option. Okay, great. So then how do you surround yourself with the rock stars, really? Because I know franchising is its own animal. Like, there's another crazy statistic. Like, I mean, statistics don't really matter when you know you're <laughs> going to do it, but I know there's a crazy one. It's something like, out of a hundred franchises, like only one will sell or even less than that or something like that, like one franchise. So, I mean, how'd you, you know, learn that space? Did you partner up with somebody again or seek counsel from someone who actually has done something successful in the industry? Yes. So we took an investment from Saruya Private Equity in 2018. Um, They're a big private equity group that owns a ton of franchises. I think they have uh, over 18,000 franchisees in 59 countries. Um, mm-hmm. brands like Pinkberry and Yogan Fruits and yeah. Hot Dog on a Stick and Round Table Pizza and Swenson's and Yogurties mm-hmm. and um, all of these brands. Well, they, they approached us to want to be uh, to make an investment into Everbowl and we weren't franchising at the time, but they were, they were smart enough to know that I was going to get there, whether it took me a minute or a yeah, year. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what they told me. They're like, Jeff, you, you'll, you'll figure it out and we'll, we want to be there when you do. So, yeah. um, so they were right and I figured it out and, um, they're, they're part of Everbowl and one of our partners that we lean on to help us make sure that we are successful in our franchising endeavors. That's awesome. So then are they, are they the ones that really, I guess, have helped you scale too, or is that kind of like what got you started? And then you just continue to, you know, leverage other relationships to keep opening locations and, you know, learning on how you want to scale this and whatnot. 
Yeah, so they haven't helped us scale. Uh, they were they're just helping us right now mm-hmm. with franchising. Um, the scale side was was just internally. We were just opening yeah. stores and opening stores and learning as we went. Yeah, and then and then I noticed, you know, earlier you talked about rock stars and um, you know getting rock stars in your business and whatnot, and that really intrigued me because that's something I'm realizing like is super important, especially in the digital marketing space, to differentiate you know one business from another one. So. With that being said, when you bring in rock stars, like different franchisee owners and whatnot, um, how, how do you really like, I guess, in, in those scenarios, what, is, it, is it just back to making friends and having fun? And if it mm-hmm. makes sense, it makes sense. Like, I'm just trying to get to the secret sauce of it all, you know? Yeah, the secret sauce is focus on being the dumbest person in the room. And that's what I like to be is the dumbest guy in the room. Uh, surround yourself with better people and lose the ego and let them have the autonomy to have ideas and see their ideas come through. If you bring people around you and tell them, no, it's got to be done my way. This is the way we do it here. Then you want robots. <laughs> you don't, you don't want rock stars and yeah. that's okay. If you have the right idea and you know it is, and that's what you want to do. Don't try to bring in top people because if you bring me into your company and I partner and you're going to tell me how I have to do the job, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I know what I'm good at and I'm good at a few things and I'm really good at those things and I'm not good at other things. Um, so the things that I'm really good at, if I have to do it a different way because some boss or some employer or some partner is forcing me to, it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. I want to do it the way I know is going to be successful. Conversely, I don't know how to do certain things. So I'm not going to tell you how to do your part of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it like a sports team, like a baseball team. A second baseman doesn't tell the pitcher how to pitch. Yeah. The pitcher doesn't tell the catcher how to catch. Um, let everyone be their own version of their best self. If you bring on rock stars and you give them the freedom and autonomy to, to do what they believe is right and inject their DNA into the business and see their ideas come through and be able to test and try what they believe is the right things, you're going to see your company flourish and you're going to be surrounded by amazing people that attracts more amazing people. So often entrepreneurs make the mistake of this is how we do it here. And yeah, if you want that, then you want junior level people who, who are yeah. going to be robotic and just follow your process. And if, and if you're set up for that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, mm-hmm. but that's not the question. The question is, how do you attract world-class talent? You attract yeah. world-class talent by letting world-class talent be world-class. Gotcha. And then a lot of times too, I know, um, you know, clearly world-class talent costs more than junior level talent, right? Sure. So what strategies do you have to kind of make jobs more appealing without breaking the bank and destroying your margins to bring on that kind of talent? Well, you obviously always have the equity opportunity. I mean, you're right because mm-hmm. world-class talent's expensive, but if they can't justify it, then you picked wrong. Um, yeah. The people I brought on, like I paid, I'll, I'll use Neil as an example. I paid Neil mm-hmm. six figures before we did anything. Yeah, true. I, I made millions of dollars from that decision. Mm-hmm. So was he expensive? No, I think he was cheap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Had I paid him six figures and made nothing, he was expensive. So have a plan, but if you don't have a path to profitability or a path to to how people are going to pay for themselves, I mean, everyone has to pay for themselves. You know, it's a discussion like I've heard, and and I'm not trying to pick a fight with anyone on this topic, but, um, you know, my mom was a teacher. And some people would say teachers should get paid more than professional athletes, just as an example. Yeah. My mom was a teacher. So I say this out of love. I love my mom, but they shouldn't. (laughs) Um, they just shouldn't. It's simple economics, revenue generators. Teachers don't generate revenue. They teach. They cost money to teach. They're mm-hmm. not bringing money into the system. 
Tom Brady or LeBron James with his endorsements and his brand brings so much money in that mm-hmm. they can afford to pay him the $30 million a year because they're making hundreds of millions of dollars a year off of his back. Yeah. So the owner of the company, the owner of the sports team is making so much money from him that he's cheap at $30 million a year. It sounds expensive to a lot of us, but he's cheap. And every team would pay him because you make so much more from having him there. So it goes to the same inside of your company. If you bring someone on and they're expensive, you picked wrong or they're not set up right, or you're not, your strategy's wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to put your people in place to make you a lot of money. Like, like I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at making it rain. I'm really good at relationships. <laughs> yeah. If you bring me in to sit behind a computer and do data processing for my what I would charge you, you're wasting money. Yeah. Because I'm not going to generate revenue, and you're going to I'm going to cost you a lot of money. No, mm-hmm. I mean I wouldn't do it, but hypothetically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but if you brought me in to to make a lot of to bring in new deals for business and and partner and and you didn't want to give me equity, you wanted to pay me cash, and you paid my rate. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to seem like a big number. But I guarantee you, at the end of the year, you're going to be like, gosh, can Jeff do that again next year? Because I'm going to bring in a lot more business than I'm going to charge. And yeah. that's what I do with my consulting clients, you know, and my businesses that pay me. Like, I, I do coaching for people. And, you mm-hmm. know, some, it's, not a, it's not a fortune, right? I don't, I don't destroy the bank. But I try to make sure that anyone who pays me money makes more from my relationships than they, they pay. So if, if someone pays me $1,000 a month to coach them, my goal is to make them at least $5,000 a month so they yeah. never want to get rid of me, right? Yeah. If someone pays me a hundred thousand dollars. I want to pay them five. I want to make them a five hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do that, then they should fire me. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. That's that's just the way it goes. I mean, it's we all have to earn. We all have to prove our worth and our and and our value, right? And um, fortunately, if you don't overprice yourself, right? If LeBron James was like, I want to make two hundred million dollars, and he only brought in a hundred million for the team, uh-huh. they're gonna let him go. Yeah. Not worth it. Right. So that's just the way you got to think about your talent is if you can't pay them with cash, you're going to have to pay them with equity or opportunity or lifestyle. You know, when in my Uh recruiting agency, though, I will tell you, I was under the impression when I started that business that people would change jobs for money. Mm. Right. Oh, pay them more money. They'll change jobs. It's actually not the reason people leave jobs. Um, I was wrong. The number one reason people leave jobs is is because of their lifestyle. So Mm. if they feel like they're going to have a better work-life balance at the new company for the same or even less money, they'll switch. Yeah. So for some people, it might be let them work from home. For some people, it might be let let them design the office. I mean, it's whatever it's whatever they want, right? Um, But that's that would be my advice. No, that 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 seems really true, especially in I've you know some experience in that realm as well. You know, uh, one thing our agency does is we help truck drivers um we basically help companies get more truck drivers because you know it's a big shortage and um that's one thing like we have this one company we work with and their their drivers are home each night and that's like a big appeal even though the jobs may pay less like they actually get a lot of drivers simply because of that reason so right i definitely see the relevance in what you're saying with that and like with you know your three businesses that you're focused on right now i'm sure that you've become a master delegator (laughs) <laughs> and and kind of setting up systems and whatnot. So do you, do you just bring in people who, you know, you're like, I want this person to help like with this system or how do you set up, you know, those systems to be so rock solid, to be able to scale and still manage three successful, you know, or companies at the same time? Well, they're all vertically integrated, right? So they all, uh-huh. they all feed, they all feed Everbull. So yeah. Everbull is the main business. So everything is an offshoot of Everbull mm-hmm. and is not a distraction, but actually supports it, right? So Superfuel mm-hmm. Coffee helps us move more acai. 
which allows me to buy more acai, which allows me to reduce my cost of goods. It allows me to build my brand and my advertising and, and continue to expand awareness around the brand Everbull. And we build it as a construction arm, which builds Everbull. So um, as all the business I need through that, that company is to go back to Everbull and support my existing stores and build more stores. So from a, from a supply chain com, uh, side or from a processes and procedures perspective, it all stems from Everbull. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, um, the people that understand that, that, um, that are, are, you know, they all understand how it all flows together and how each piece is connected. And, and then they just build it out from there. Yeah, totally. So now from somebody who went to college and now is, you know, extremely in the entrepreneurial game, uh, would you still go back to college? Like, did you find that degree to be, you know, uh, worth it? Or looking back at it, do you think that that you would do it differently? Undergraduate was amazing. Uh Um, I had a ton of fun. It was an amazing experience. I grew up. um, Law school was a lot of hard work and very expensive. Um, But yes, I would do them. Even though I don't use either of them specifically, I would go back and do it all again because there's a bunch of things that they provide. Number one, it provides a certain level of credibility when I talk to private equity, venture capital, investors, the mm-hmm. street, um, or anyone. Oh, you have your law degree? You have your juris, you have your juris doctorate? Yeah, I do. So I, I am highly educated. Um, mm-hmm. I've shown my commitment and my ability to see things through. Even though I don't use them today, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I do use it today because I learned. I learned analytical thinking in law school. I built relationships in law school. Do you know how many friends of mine in law school are now scattered around the world doing lawyers at major businesses? Um, lawyers at major law firms, lawyers mm-hmm. or sports agents, um, and all these different things yeah. that I get to now call them as as we're com- we're com- uh, you know we're we're, uh, we're friends. We're we have mm-hmm. a lot of relationship capital that was there. Um, same thing with undergraduate, and you you grow up right. Um, you know, listen, if I knew what I wanted to do, and I was 17 years old, and I graduated or 18, and I graduated high school, I mean, you don't need college, you don't need it. Uh, mm-hmm. But life is longer than what you think you want to do today. And the the world changes on a dime. I mean, as we are experiencing right now with this coronavirus, right? Like, I got to be honest, the world that that your generation grew up with is is, it's over. I mean, I you know when I started my business, the first literally six a month later, the recession happened, and businesses were closing all over the place. The housing market tanked. Unemployment was high. For the last twelve years, you could buy any house, buy any stock, start any company, and you pretty much find or or apply to any job, and you'd pretty much be successful. There was no way not to, I mean, the level of success is a, it's a matter of degree, but Mm -hmm. houses across the country have been increased in value for the last 12 years. Stocks have gone up to levels we've never seen. And the unemployment rate is at record all time lows. Yeah. That's all about to change. And and it's scary and it's, it's not exciting for me to be the one to say this, but it's the facts. Yeah. And now you're going to have an abundance of people out of work. And if you're looking for a job, what is going to distinguish yourself on your resume? Well, I have a law degree and a college degree. So if I wanted to apply for a job, my resume looks good. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I don't ever want a job, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. That's fine. I want to attract world-class talent. You and me are competing and we're both competing for the same private equity group to bring in some money. Mm-hmm. Or we're competing to hire the next rock star. Well, I'm going yeah. to use my background for an advantage. Look, I'm committed. I've shown that I will go follow through. I graduated undergrad. I graduated law school. I've started mm-hmm. companies and I've sold companies. My track record is my, my, my selling point to attract people or money mm-hmm. or opportunity to me. Right. Yeah. Um, so yes, 
I would definitely do that. And, and, and B, understand that, that they can't ever, the paper that you get by graduating stays with you, right? That's yeah. who you are now. So you get to carry that with you as this world changes and you just never know. Um, and when you're young, you don't realize how long, like, again, I've, I've been out of law school since 2000. Uh, so mm-hmm. what is that? 13, 14 years. Um, it seems like an eternity. I'm only 36. Yeah. Okay. I still have another 13 years. I'm still not 50. Yeah. True. So I can double my, my, prof- and, and I have had 12 companies in many different sectors and industries and, I've raised over $15 million for different companies of mine. I've sold six Mm -hmm. and seven figure businesses all in 12, 13 years. And I'm sitting here today and I would never have thought I would own a restaurant, a construction company or a coffee business when I was in law school. So you just never know. So, you know, I would say focus on, especially when you're young and you don't have kids and you don't have a family, or if you do, then still, it's still worth it. Um, This is the time to build your resume that will last you forever. This Mm -hmm. is that time to find a way to differentiate yourself forever. Is college expensive? Yes. Do I think it teaches you what you need to know? Do I think it's going to make you successful? No. Yeah. I didn't learn shit in college that I use in reality. I mean, I did, yeah. you know, I, I had mm-hmm. a, my, 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 my degree was regional development is basically Sim city <laughs> in real life. I mean, that's yeah. basically what I did you yeah, know, like, yeah. about zoning laws and agricultural mm-hmm. and water planes. And it was just, I mean, but, it doesn't matter because if I was hiring someone and I had the difference between two people, one of them had a college degree and one didn't, but everything else was the same, the kid with the college degree is getting the job. Yeah. Because I know that they stuck through it. That they were able to juggle being an adult, having all the freedom, being around parties and, and whatnot, but still were able to graduate and see it through. But they yeah. take, you know, that. So for me, yes, long-winded answer, but I would definitely uh, uh, still go back to school. I would still graduate. I would still get the degree and I would mm-hmm. focus on a secondary. I mean, I'm always learning now. So, you know, yeah. I think learning is important and whether you have a degree or not always be learning. And if you mm-hmm. can get a piece of paper to show that you've done it, it's going to help you. Yeah, definitely. Longer answer, but it got all the points that, you know, people are dealing with right now. Like, cause I know that's a big thing for a lot of, you know, my friends in entrepreneurship, myself included is, um, you know, whether you want to stick it out with college or really just pursue, you know, what you get jazzed about and excited about. So uh, it's definitely valuable to, you know, for me and my listeners to hear that. So I appreciate that. And with that being said too, with all, you know, mentors that you've had or haven't had, how, you know, what does that look like you and kind of like how you've learned from mentors or did you just kind of figure it out on your own? No, men- mentorship and coaching is critical. Um, I pay business coaches even today uh, mm-hmm. myself. I have mentors that mentor me for free. Um, I mentor. I'm a mentor at San Diego State's Laven School of Entrepreneurship. I'm a, one of the mentors there. I have mentees and I have people that pay me to help business coach. Um, I think it's a mistake if you don't do those things. Uh, even LeBron James has a coach. Yeah. Tiger Woods has a coach. Tom Hanks has an acting coach. No matter how good you are, it doesn't mean that they're better than you or that they know your industry better, but they hold you accountable. They help guide you through it. You get to leverage their relationships. Um, I've I wouldn't be where I am without mentors and coaches and I've always had them and I always will. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. A mentor gives you free advice. The level of advice is different. When you pay somebody, you get to hold them accountable to make sure they provide value. So my business coaches, um, the reason I pay them is not because I think they're teaching me something that I don't know. Uh, they're helping me navigate uncertain waters and they're opening doors for me mm-hmm. that I just can't open on my own or as fast on my own. Um, yeah. They have some things that I want. So I'm strategic on who I pay money to to help me. And then my mentors are, I have a lot of them. I have probably close to 10 mentors that 
I share my entire journey mm-hmm. with. Sometimes I call them and they don't say a word. And I just call and say, you know, um, I, this happened about a month ago. David Melter, he's a he's a one of my mentors. Oh, yeah. uh, he's been one of my mentors for 30 years. We're actually writing a book together that will hopefully publish this summer, July 11th. That's awesome. Um, on mentorship. And mm-hmm. the 30 years that we've been friends, I mean, he's known me since he was in high school and I was a little little kid playing Little League. Um, our moms were best friends. Oh, really? And I've in, yep. And I've interned <laughs> in all of his companies. And, um, you know, I went to law school because of him and went, was going to go work at Lee Steinberg Sports Agency when he was the CEO of it. So mm-hmm. I can call him right now. And I have in a few, a few uh, I want to say it's probably five or six weeks ago now. Um, I yeah. called him and I started rambling. I was just like, hey, Dave, this is what I'm dealing with. Blah, 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 blah. And he probably said three words. And then at the end, I was like, dude, thank you so much. That was so helpful. <laughs> just me having to articulate my situation yeah. to him made me come up with my own ideas and him just being an ear that I trusted to be the ear that was listening the way I wanted mm-hmm. was, was the confidence I needed to say the extra few words that I wouldn't have said to my mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Or my friend who doesn't understand business. And it makes me better. Sometimes he, he gives me real advice. Sometimes he tells me not to do something and I don't listen to him. And sometimes he tells me not to do something and I listen to him. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's just having them in your corner is so critical. And so I can't stress mentorship and business coaches enough. If you don't have a business coach and you running your own company, okay, that's fine. You're good luck. And, mm-hmm. and you don't have mentors and you running companies. Good luck. Um, you know, I, it'd be like LeBron James not having a coach and is he better than LeBron? No, but he makes LeBron better. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that LeBron has spends a million dollars on fitness coaches and, and chefs and, um, all of this. He spends a million dollars a year on coaches. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and he's the best player in the world. Yeah. He um, definitely reaps that investment. Like you were talking about It's cheap when you look at it from the ROI correct. standpoint of he's 34 and crushing it still. Yeah, exactly. So. But, but the point there is no matter what level you mm-hmm. are thinking you're better than having mentors and coaches, it's a mistake. And if someone yeah. says they can't afford it, I'm going to argue you can't afford not to. That's because if, if I like, I only, I mean, I don't want to speak randomly. So I'll speak. If someone gave me a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and said, can I, I, it's all I can afford. Can you help me? And I made them $300 or help them make $300. Mm-hmm. Then now they made $300. Yeah. <laughs> so next month they pay me a hundred dollars and I make them another $300. They're up $400 in the two months. Mm-hmm. If they were like, Oh, you know what? I got to spend a hundred dollars to go out to the nightclub because my social life's more important. Then they don't make that. Yeah. That's fair, the choice. Fair. Honestly. Right. Yeah. And so, I say that because a lot of people say to me, Jeff, why do you pay? Like I could, I, I have tons of free mentors. I know what uh-huh. I'm doing. I'm going to be successful whether I pay a coach or not, but mm-hmm. I, I don't want to just be successful. I want to be extra successful. Yeah. I want to be extraordinarily successful. And so I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to make that payment because when I pay somebody to be my coach, I get to hold them accountable to help. They're going to yeah. take my calls. They're in completely invested and, and their reputation is on the line with me which means that they're going to go the extra mile to make sure I'm successful. A mentor isn't going to do all that. Like a mentor, when they're free time and they're available, they help me and they don't have to live with the outcome. And therefore, you know, one piece of advice is never take anyone's opinion who doesn't have to live with the outcome. Mm. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Honestly. Everyone has opinions. I can give you opinions all day, but if I don't have to live with the outcome, who cares? Yeah. You know, listen to it, put it into your Rolodex of information when you're going to make your decision. But Having someone that you pay who's on your team, it's just like an employee, right? You pay someone to be an assistant. You pay someone to be, you know, an administrative this or an accountant or, you know, whatever your business is, a Mm -hmm. salesperson, pay someone to be your coach. Yeah. And and then also have free coaches, free mentors. And you should have a combination of both. 
So from what I'm hearing too, I know a lot of young people specifically, they buy courses, right? I feel like it's a cheaper alternative. Um, but at the same time, I feel like from what you said, you're, if you buy a course, you're kind of missing out on a lot of that personalized, you know, like nitty gritty, this is the route that you should be, I guess, pivoting or whatnot yeah. advice. Well, like I just did a course with Forbes and it'll be coming out in the next month or two and you can buy uh-huh. it and pl- please do. Um, and it will teach you how to start a company. Um, and it's, it's cool. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell against myself here, but, um, (laughs) but the level of information you're going to get is evergreen. It's a course, right? I'm speaking Mm -hmm. high level. I'm speaking about stuff only so deep. If you paid me the same money to be your personal coach, we're getting into your business. You're asking me specific questions. I'm saying, how can I Mm -hmm. help you? Oh, I really want to meet so-and-so. Can I help them meet so-and-so? Can I use my, you get access to me and my relationships and my experience. My course, you get access to information that I, I, I said that everyone else is getting access to. Mm. So it's like taking a course at college, right? There's no difference. Yeah. You go to college, you can learn algebra and algebra class. But if that teacher came to your house every day and your business needed algebra, and that teacher who was taught algebra one in, in college was sitting mm. next to you in your business and using that algebra and applying it directly to your business, not just examples that were in the textbook, yeah. that's more functional algebra. That's going to help you. So mm-hmm. courses are great. If you want to learn something, courses are great. You should buy courses. I buy courses. Yeah. Um, I buy courses all the time, but that doesn't mean that I stop there. And, and if, again, I, I think entrepreneurs especially need to invest in themselves. And what that means is buy courses, online courses, free courses, paid for courses, mentors, and paid coaches. Mm-hmm. You do all of that, you're going to have a team around you of rock stars and you'll be successful. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice for sure. Because I feel like that is something uh, a lot of young people are like, I don't really have the money right now. Like coaches are expensive. But like you said, you almost can't afford not to if you're really wanting to get to that next level. Well, well yeah, how much, how bad do you want it? I mean, yeah. we're, you, you don't need to pay 10 grand. I mean, yes, yeah, some coaches cost 10 grand a month. I'm sure if you yeah. want Tony Robbins to teach you how to be a motivational speaker, you can't afford that. That's yeah, fine. It's, it's be there's, a lot of people between, there's a lot of people between Tony Robbins and nobody. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I'm not a motivational speaker, so I'm not the guy. But if I was and I was just me trying to be a motivational speaker, I speak a lot on stage. I can yeah. teach somebody. I don't teach this. And this is just an example. But if someone came to me and was like, I can't have a ton of money to invest, but I have a couple hundred bucks a month. Will you teach me motivational speaking? OK, there's someone like me out there who is an entry level who can give them that those tips. We can say, you know what, let's get you on a few stages. I'm sure mm-hmm. like motivational speakers want to get on stage as well. I know a lot of people who can go, who can get the people on stages. I speak all the time. So I can open those doors all of a sudden. Uh How cheap is that now? Now you're on a few stages. You're getting better. You're getting content of you on stages. Now you're getting more stages. Eventually you're getting paid to speak. Mm -hmm. You made that investment. It's just like buying your computer to run your business. Yeah. You're starting a digital marketing agency. You buy a computer before you have clients. Mm -hmm. Cost two grand, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just people are thinking about it wrong. And, And I won't lie to you. I mean, I make a living beating people who think incorrectly yeah no that, that's that's like the name of the game to be honest and um but you're right Mo- most people don't do it yeah so we're wrapping up here but i got a few questions i always like to ask my guests at the end of the show so the first one of those being you know what is in your opinion the most valuable skill that you develop problem solving problem solving love yes. it yeah just being able to dissect problems at a high level I mean, you, you, or 
pivot quickly. I mean, you're constantly yeah. making decisions without all the information you need and how you're able to do that and adapt and pivot is going to mm-hmm. be whether or not you're successful or fail. Love it. Love it. Okay. So next one coming up is what is some advice that you hear often, but you personally really disagree with? You just think that it's bad advice. And when you hear it, you're just kind of like, why, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> I would, <laughs> um, I would say it's the, get experience before you start a company. I think experience mm. is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company. You take, you can go build experience. I'll start with nothing and let's see who wins. Yeah, no, that, that's so interesting. Cause I always hear, you know, experience is like so valuable when you go into stuff, but I guess you can leverage other people's experience too, while putting your own personal touch on it. You know, I mean, the, my experience in digital marketing shows you, I didn't know how to literally <laughs> yeah. use a computer, but I partnered with Neil Patel the best. And I worked, we worked with companies that were top 100 websites in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that doesn't, and so somebody else can say, well, I'm going to go learn how to be a digital marketer from and build my expertise up for the next couple of years. And then I'm going to start my own digital marketing company. That's cool. Have fun doing that. I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to leverage what I'm already good at. And I'm going to partner with people who have the experience. Mm. And then I get the experience by proxy. Yeah. So, you're, and there's, mm-hmm. and there's no way to experience. There's no way to teach it. You have to, the only way you're going to, it's like telling someone the stove is hot. Until you touch that thing, you don't know what hot feels like. Uh Um, So the only way you're going to know is to try it. And who cares if you fail? Like failure is, is learning. It's lessons. We fail every day. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome because you're getting that experience either way, but you're just not, I guess, using it almost as an excuse to keep like pushing it off. So then um, the last question I have here is, you know, even with all the success that you have had as an entrepreneur, what is the biggest change that you're looking to make either in your life or business, you know, either from a personal standpoint or looking at it from something you want to change in your business. I'm pivoting more towards helping others than just myself. Um, I'm at kind of at that transition stage. Uh, mm-hmm. I've built a lot of companies. I've had a lot of personal success. Um, and now in today's world, I'm having more fun helping others like my mentees and, and yeah. the people that I work with and seeing their success is actually what is giving me the in- it's not a money. I don't make money from doing it, but mm-hmm. um, I actually feel better. I, like I have yeah. a, this high that I get internally, this this great feeling when I see them having success. And so I want more of it. And maybe it's because I have a teenage daughter and um, I have kids and yeah. obviously I'm invested in their success too, but um, I'm definitely transitioning more towards how can I help other people as opposed to just continuing to build successful companies for myself. Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely have helped a lot of people today, I feel like, you know, when they play this I back, so. I, I know for sure, I'm going to have some awesome takeaways that I'm going to be implementing into my life and business. So appreciate that. And you know, the listeners, um, where's the best place for them to follow up with you at, you know, after the, the show goes live? Well, of course, social media, um, at Fenster Jeff is my Instagram, which you can always follow me and message me and I'll, I'll do my best to respond to everybody. And LinkedIn is another great place, Facebook um jefffenster.com is coming soon my website and um, i'm actually launching my own podcast uh which will be live in the coming weeks called unwinding success so please follow along because i'm going to be interviewing some incredible guests there as well and really reverse uh breaking down and reverse engineering what made them successful and some tactics that people out there can use to be successful themselves success is a formula it's not it's not something you're born with definitely well appreciate you a ton for coming on today jeff of course, man. Thank you for having me, dude. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. And that is a wrap, everyone. My friend Clayton from Mizzou. So shout out to Clayton. Gave me uh, an idea. His idea was at the end of each episode, 
what if I ran down the top three takeaways from the episode and then just a little bit of personal insight mixed in there. So that is exactly what I'm going to be doing here. And today's episode with Jeff Fenster, you know, I'm, I genuinely really enjoyed. And the takeaways, you know, it, it makes me rethink how I do some things and it's very valuable. So the main three things, the first one is when Jeff brought up how the biggest mistake everyone makes is that they follow the crowd, basically do the same thing somebody else is doing. They're like, oh, if this person had success doing this, why don't, you know, I just do that and and then I'll have success too. Well, speaking from experience here, that works. You can copy and paste success, but you're not going to win in the long run doing that because you don't have the edge. You don't have something that's different. You might, you know, get a small sector and say small, but if you're looking to go big and if you're looking to not just be successful, but be extra successful, you have to look at what people aren't doing, right? And think, hmm, you know, how can I do something different? Like, where is my industry not servicing their customer the best? Or how is my product, how could it better service, whatever it is, or just in life in general too, and how you're living life. Like, um, I feel like that's a huge takeaway for life. The biggest mistake everyone makes is they follow the crowd. I actually thinking about that right now, I feel like that's huge because so many people, they want to feel, I guess, like normal, accepted, which is great. I do too. But you want to make sure that you're not sacrificing what you know is going to be best for your future and what you really want out of your life, your unique life to be accepted and to fit in. You know, you don't have to go to parties. If you want to go to parties, that's great. I'm not against it at all. But you know, if that's not you, don't feel pressured. Like you got it. Like I found a lot more this year that I actually am more of an introvert than I ever thought, which is weird because I've always liked being around people. But when I had time to think, I was like, dang, I like working by myself, getting stuff done. So that's number one. Number two is attract rock stars into your life by letting them have the freedom to be a rock star, right? So life or business, attract them into your life or business. Rock stars are not easy to come by. And when you do come by a rock star, it might not be the best fit and you might get a little excited and you're like, oh, I got to have like this person. They sp- they spent like over, you know, um, whatever in this sector and I, I really like them, which is great. It might be a good fit, but it might not. And in order to get them onto your business, especially at a younger stage or into your life, like there's, it's harder because they require more resources, Right. They require usually more money and that's where you can start eating away at margins. So if you still want to have those people and you still want to maintain healthy margins, you might want to look into, you know, opportunity and lifestyle offering something unique that their current company isn't and really selling on that. What, you know, the opportunity and lifestyle could be with you or with your company and equity, right? That one, you're still giving away kind of like money in a sense and, I understand, you know, some people are all for, you know, um, going to partnerships, other ones, um, similar to me, I, I like to retain hundred percent equity. Um, just because I mean, up to this point in my life, right. Things change when I get new information. Um, my opinions tend to change at times, depending on what that information is. So maybe it won't always be like that, but I just know that I find giving away equity, it can be a slippery slope where you can put yourself in the company in bad situations, especially if a partnership doesn't work out. Because partnerships can be great if they're great, but there are also, you know, clearly partnerships that haven't gone well. So that's a whole nother 
you know, segment for partnerships. And I'm sure once I have a uh, Roland Frazier on the show, he's a guy that's going to be awesome about talking with partnerships, but that's just, so I'll leave that for that episode with Roland. But, um, the third thing is you need a coach or mentor, right? So coach mentor course, that's what we talked about. And this is something I'm reevaluating, right. And looking at now, because I have a lot of courses, i you know, I have paid some people for consulting, but I haven't done like a reoccurring coach scenario. And it's because I'm at a point in my company where I don't necessarily feel comfortable investing that. But guess what? If you want to be great at whatever it is you're doing, you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to have to make economic decisions that are informed. You're not giving your money to somebody who's on Instagram and he looks awesome and you didn't do any background research. No, 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 no. That's a huge thing is you want to know who you're buying from. If you're buying a course or if you're buying, um, you know, monthly coaching or whatever it is, do your research, figure out that the person who you're going to be paying has actually had levels of success that you would be happy swapping with at that point right now. If you wouldn't, then why are you bothering, right? Unless you need to go to kind of like a mid-level of success with your economic situation. And then you can, once you're there, then you can, you know, pay a higher level coach, but make sure that they do it. And they're not a charlatan that just, you know, says, yeah, I've done this and this and helped these many. No, do your research and see what they have actually implemented. But like you said, the best athletes, the best, you know, business owners, they have coaches. Okay. And that doesn't mean that they need them. It means that they're humble enough to realize that they don't know everything and that there are still parts of their life and their business that can be better executed. And that's why they have coaches to see that there's a different perspective that has been there before that knows valuable information can see stuff and kind of have those fine tweaks that courses can't have. Cause like, like Jeff said, courses are evergreen, but coaches really get down to the nitty gritty and care more about your actual results. So with that being said, that is the three main things that I took away from this episode. Like I said, I really enjoyed the episode with Jeff. Great guy. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Make sure if you did to give us a review, it helps a ton. You know, send me a DM to send Jeff a DM if you enjoyed it. I always love reading your guys' DMs, especially the ones that you that consistently shoot those. I appreciate you a ton and I hope you have a great rest of your day, guys.